Moncrief on News Talk. Brought to you by Avant Money. Think you're getting the best value from your bank? Think again. Have you ever wondered what a spy looks like? And when I say the word spy, does your imagination conjure up a picture of a man or a woman? Long thought to be the domain of men, spy thrillers are are beginning to see more female authors tackle the genre and represent female spy characters. Londoner and Penguin author Ava Glass has spent over a decade training spies for the British government. Her work has inspired her latest book, The Chase, set to hit shelves tomorrow. Ava, how are you today? I'm great, thank you. Sorry, I couldn't help but get excited over the training spies for the British government line. <laughs> okay, now I don't want to overstate it. <laughs> I was I was counterterrorism communication, so I was trying to teach them to talk to us, basically. Right. <laughs> well, I'll tell you, it sounds great. And this reaction to the book is sensational. Uh, it's been described as 2023's most explosive debut novel and a worthy heir to the James Bond mantle. Yeah, that's crazy, isn't it? Like, it kind of blows my mind. It's all happening very quickly, but I'm very excited about it. I would say so. How did you get into this world? It was a complete accident. And I think I could say that about my entire career. So um, I was a crime reporter in the US, actually, for the first sort of stretch of my working life. And then I was working in publishing in London for a few years as an editor. And then that ended um, suddenly. And I found myself sort of trying to decide what to do next. You know, I felt like I was at a crossroads and a friend got in touch just at that time. And she said, um, I've taken a job for the home office and I'm looking for somebody who can write about counterterrorism and not get scared. And I thought of you. And I thought with an invitation like that, it felt like something I couldn't say no to. <laughs> oh, it just, it, it already sounds so exciting. When you went in there, what was it like? I mean, is that in an office with, with dare I say, actual spies? Yeah. So the building I worked in was about seven stories and it was one of those um, governmental buildings that has an atrium that goes all the way up to the top. So when you're in the, in the lobby, you can see every floor and all the floors are open plan except for one. And that one has bullet proof glass and is completely blacked out and that's where the spies were now uh, you know can you not just watch which ones are coming in and out <laughs> absolutely not um you you can't you can't see them you can't when you come off the lift on that floor on every floor when you come off the lift you can see in every direction desks i mean it's all open except that floor when you get out of the lift there's just a door and a biometric lock Right. Can you just watch which ones are getting off at which floor? (laughs) (laughs) Again, if somebody gets off on that floor, then the lift door is shut and you don't know whether they use the biometric lock or they knock. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I don't know. I'd I'd be adding two and two together and say, I see you go to that floor a lot is all I would say to them. (laughs) So so you, um, you had to be vetted for this, didn't you? And that's... That's not the way it is, or it was in the days of Philby, is it? Uh, no, I think you're absolutely right on that. I think vetting came along post Philby, uh, and and very wide, right too. I should <laughs> the say. vetting yeah, on the... Philby for those who don't know is uh, somebody went to his dad, I think it was, and and uh, or a family friend, and the family friend said, "Oh, they're good people, Philby's people," and that was it. He was in, and his dad was already a member of the Communist Party at that time. 
Ah, those were the days, weren't they? <laughs> Who would have what seen it coming? <laughs> Hard to believe anything went wrong there. <laughs> so they, they did extensive background check. I mean, when you're being vetted, do you know you're being vetted? <laughs> it's very strange. So the vetting process itself is a state secret. So I don't know what it entails. All I know is you give them pretty comprehensive information about yourself, past addresses, all your bank accounts, um, all the information they ask for. You hand that over. It's one sheet though. For me, it was it was one sheet of A4. You hand that over, they disappear for six weeks, and then they either give you your pass and welcome you in, or they don't. <laughs> That's it. Uh, and where did you, because you, you were from a background where they couldn't be 100%. You'd come from America, so there'll always be a bit mm. of a question mark. Are you loyal to America or are you loyal to, to Britain? Was there, was there a question mark over you? Well, now see, that's the thing. When I first started working there, for the first few weeks, I wasn't doing my actual work. So I wasn't working with counterterrorism. I was kind of given random things to do, like alcohol licensing laws, which literally had nothing to do with what they'd hired me for. And I was very puzzled by it. And But when I asked, people would say, oh, you know, the right people just aren't in the office right now. And then it was during that time that when I was in the little office kitchen, I met this, this woman, this young woman who'd also just started there. She worked in the legal department, she said. She was about 28, very friendly, very easygoing, suggested we meet for coffee and sort of talk about what it was like to be new. So we, you know, met for coffee a few times, had lunch a couple of times. She asked a lot of questions about me, you know, sort of my family, how I ended up there, you know, what brought me over from the, from the States, that sort of thing. And then she disappeared after three weeks completely. Her email disappeared from the email system. Her phone number didn't work. She was just gone. And after that, the counterterrorism people got in touch. And I realized very belatedly, or at least I still believe, that she was the end of my security check and that oh. I just met my first spy. Oh my word, how exciting. No wonder you're writing books about this. Um, you tell stories too of the training exercise, which I don't think very many people are aware of, where they take over almost entire towns, sometimes in Wales, like what you tell about one. And they run quite extensive, what would a terrorist do in this situation, kind of simulations, don't they? Yeah, these, if you think about it, that really is the only way to prepare for for things to go really, really wrong and to work out the kinks and how you're going to respond to these situations. So these training simulations, which are absolutely vast and involve hundreds, if not thousands of people, they go on all the time. They happen sometimes in cities right under our noses, but usually in the countryside. And then the ones in the countryside are where they they will literally blow something up, study how it blew up, figure out how to stop it from ever blowing up again, and also look at the knock-on ramifications of it blowing up. So if it's a chemical factory, you know, which way do the winds carry the chemicals? How do we evacuate a town very quickly? That's the sort of thing they're doing, and they do it in real time, in real life. They literally will blow things up. And so it is, um, it's huge. It's fascinating to be part of. And I would go... 
um, to play the press. So, I mean, everybody would go at quite high level. So you'd have ministers there having to hold press conferences. And then there'd be members of the communications team who would act like I would be the Daily Mail. And I would um, pepper them with aggressive questions or be very friendly, depending upon who I'm talking to, and um, and just see what happened. So they would have to respond to that. And they would, everything was watched. Wow. They were being watched by people much more senior than them and judged and graded. It's quite a fascinating and intense. Thing. It really is. Um, you've set your book, in, which introduces um, Emma Makepeace, who I think we'll be hearing loads more in the coming years. Um, you've set it in London. And one of the things you've pointed out is that London is the second most surveyed in terms of CCTV cameras city in the world. Yes, it's fascinating, isn't it? When I first moved to London, I was so hyper aware of the cameras because it's so different from where I'd lived before. And they were uh, on every street corner, um, I, I was just conscious of them tilting and turning and following people, and I wondered sort of who was 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 watching that stuff, who was who was studying the people and why. And then I noticed over time, I became much less aware of them. And of course, after a few months, I, I just sort of didn't see them at all. We just write them out of our minds, but they're there all the time, and they are. I mean, there's a there's questions about that. You know, are they a tool or are they a weapon? Uh, that's one question that in the chase, my character has to think about when the cameras are turned on her. Because I, I believe something like 70 times a day, you're on CCTV cameras in Yes, wow. absolutely. And I, even outside of London, I live at the edge of the city and I'm convinced that I'm filmed about 70 times, you know, just walking to a shop. It is... It, it is quite widespread. It, it, it is scary. And we talk about, you know, Chinese uh, controlling their own population and how they're, they're filmed so often. And you realise how close it could be if, if government decided to in the UK. It's a scary thing. Um, part of the great excitement about this is putting a, a female spy into it. Is, are female spies more common than we think? Yes, I was. It's one of the things that really struck me um, is that in fiction, spies are almost always portrayed as men. And in reality, I would say about 50% of the people I met who worked in that world were women, both as spies and as the people who sort of run things. So um, I was struck by the difference between how how art is is portraying uh, the, the world of intelligence and the reality of the world of intelligence, which is much more equal. And in terms of writers as well, more female writers turning to write this sort of stuff. I mean, why why was that in the past that it was such a male dominated world? Is it just that the world itself, the spy world was so male dominated? You know, women have been valuable, uh, brave, uh, life risking spies since before World War II. And certainly in World War II, they were hugely instrumental in that conflict, just unsung and unheralded. And the spy canon, the spy fiction canon of the 20th century, I, I honestly think is criminal in how the writers wrote women out of that. Because those were people, John le Carre and Ian Fleming, they were spies in World War II. They knew, Graham Greene was a spy in World War II. He knew women. He worked with Virginia Hall, one of the greatest female spies of all time. He knew her. And then they all wrote her, wrote these women out of their books. And I will never understand why. Mm. Um, and so that meant that spy fiction has always felt to women and to female writers like a closed shop. It doesn't feel like a welcoming place. If you read 
any books from the 20th century canon, what we consider to be the greatest books of spy fiction. So from James Bond to Smiley in the Le Carre books and on down to Jason Bourne, women are most of the time um, sexual objects or victims. And that's just tragic. And so I think when you pick up a book and you see yourself and your entire um, sex portrayed as uh, useless, hopeless, or just... Mm you know, pretty hot. Um, you, you you don't feel like you want to keep reading because you can't see yourself reflected as you are. And you also maybe don't want to write it because it doesn't feel like a place for women. Right. And that was quite for me when I started writing. That was a block. I had, a, I had to really convince myself that there'd be readers for this, that there was a place for it. Well, it looks like there certainly are. And uh, the chase is out tomorrow. Eve. I, I read in those Philby books, another thing that really struck me were the bars where uh, British and German and Russian spies would hang out together. <laughs> I just found that, you know, they're, they're sworn enemies. They're actually at war with each other, but they'll have a drink after work. Would that still go on in London, would you say? Oh, God, you know, I don't know, but I would love to think so. I do know that some of the places that appear in the Carré and Graham Greene novels. Some of the clubs, they still exist. Oh, They're wow. still there. God. So who knows? Spy tourism has to be next. Uh, <laughs> the Chase by Ava Glass out on Thursday the 16th. That is tomorrow. Available wherever you buy your books. Ava, thank you very much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. Moncrief. Brought to you by Avant Money. Think you're getting the best value from your bank? Think again. Weekdays at 2pm on News Talk.